We're going to talk about this morning about the battle. But before we go there, as many of you know, I was away for a while. I was down in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, getting to visit my sons. They're my daughter-in-laws, and I have three grandchildren down there. I have seven up here, so that's ten now. It blows people's minds when I tell them. I say, yeah, I have ten grandchildren. And they look at me, really? You're lying. And I said, no, I do. And, uh, and I just love it because my um, uh, Solomon, who is down in uh, North Carolina, he's just learning, at 10 months old, just learning what the whole world is all about. It's really neat to see him, his perception of the world, and uh, just, you know, he gets so excited when he sees animals, you know, pelicans, whatever, you just take them, and he's like, wow, you know, just so excited about, uh, about life and, and getting to see him grow up like that. That's amazing. You guys would just love them. You would. You know, and I know you have grandchildren, some of you here, and children, and they are just a treasure. You know, we look at them as that. But anyway, so Raleigh, North Carolina, is, you know, anybody know what's going on there? Anybody, weather addicts here, weather? Come on. I put it on the church family, on the Facebook page. I asked you, thank you for praying. If you noticed that there's this red glow around Raleigh, which means the storm is kind of going around it. They're still getting some rain but the storm is going around Raleigh, and that's good because, I mean, there's a lot of flooding going on, and we've been praying. I think there was one scene I seen on TV at night, and all these firemen were, like, just down on their, on their knees praying, and sad to say, a tree came through the roof. This was before this happened, killed a mother and an infant. Um, there's been, I think, around seven fatalities. Could have been a way more, way more than that, but just to see that picture of these firemen coming together and praying, and, and on the news there in front of everybody. And this morning, I really, really want to draw your attention. I want to challenge you because I know there's not one person here that doesn't uh, have a challenge or, or face challenges, right? We all have seasons of dry seasons. We all have obstacles. We all have oppositions, right, that we face. And that is something we want to talk about this morning because we're here as to, to walk through this together. That's the thing about the Christian life, right? We're not meant to walk alone. Come on. Right? We're not meant to walk alone. We're meant to walk with each other. Now, there's uh, someone that's not here this morning, but he just randomly called me this past week and, and just left a phone message and said, hey, this is Robert. Many of you know, my, know Robert. And he says, hey, Lloyd, I just want you to know I love you. And it was just so random, but it was what I needed. I needed that, right? And God may wants us as a community, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week, that we are encouraging each other. Because it's a battle out there. It is. I mean, you just got to look at the news and you're shaking your head. What's going on? But I'm, I'm thankful that God is shaking it up. We've got the Me Too. We've heard of the Me Too movement, right? Thank God that some of that, you know, I don't know. But the thing is, is that it says in the Word, be sure your sin will find you out. And now we have the Church 2 movement going on. There's been exposure going on. And it's getting to the point that sometimes we put these people up on pedestals. I hope you don't do that to me. Because if you know me, you know my quirks, don't do that. Don't put anybody, don't put a leader up on a pedestal. That's the one thing that we, we do sometimes. And sometimes we listen, oh, to their podcasts. But we don't realize that they too have the same struggles as us. Right? They still have the temptations. And what we're learning as we look at the Word of God, we're going to get there 
in just a second. But we're learning that each one of us is in a battle. When you became a Christian, you signed a dotted line. And when you sign that dotted line that you're going to follow Jesus, you just entered into the battle zone. So if your life, if you're going through life and you're not having it easy, something's not right. Something's not right. Right? Come on. Because it is a battle zone. It is an attack. I remember my father at the age of uh, 54, sad to say, cancer, colon cancer took his life. Too young. Too young. Um, but... Uh, I remember his words to me, and even in the midst of that uh, struggle, um, he would take my hand and grip my hand and say to me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Anyone? Fight the good fight of faith. You see, the Word of God tells us it's a battle. We need to fight. You see, you can't be passive. I um, uh, had been part of the, uh, the Dutch... Uh, Christian Reform, sorry, denomination. And there it's very much, well, you know, it's a Calvinistic uh, uh, teaching, which is basically this, is that everything that happens in your life is for purpose true, but also that really you don't really need to reach your neighbor because God will do it in his time, right? There's this kind of thinking that goes on. No, God is sovereign. He is sovereign, very true. But, you know, there's this kind of passivity, that goes on, and then, then, and that can affect your life in such a way that you say, well, I'm just going to, you know, there's, there's all this stuff going around me. No, you're meant to be active. You're meant to fight. When you sign that dotted line, when you follow Jesus, you're meant, because the world does not, what? Love Jesus. It hates Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, the world, and what is the world? Well, if we look at 1 John chapter 2, the world talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things that come down the filter. But the enemy wants to attack your faith. He wants to attack your family. He wants to attack your marriage. He wants to attack everything that's good, decent, and noble in your life. He wants to mess with you. He wants to mess with you. And he's called the father of lies. And that's how he does it. There's five ways that the devil does it. If you're taking notes, number one, and there's probably more, but one, he'll put thoughts in your head. Starts with putting thoughts in your head. Right? Number two, he will attack everything that's good in your life. Right? He'll accuse you. Number three, he'll promote unforgiveness. Oh, yeah, look what he did to you or she did to you. What, look what they said about you. You can't let that go on. And so the enemy tries it. Number four, he will try to tempt you into sexual sin. He will try to tell you. We've got a porno epidemic now. It's crazy out there. But thank God there are those who are rising up to call us back. And there's a moral revolution going on that those are realizing that these are just lies of the enemy that are taking us away from what God intended for our lives because he wants to go and mess up what, you, what God's called you to do, right? And number five, did you get that? Number four, and number five, he's going to put thoughts about doubt in God. I mean, let's go back. Come on, follow me back to Genesis, Garden of Eden. Beautiful place. I mean, I've never been there, never. I mean, they, I don't even know where it is, but this place was amazing, right? Garden of Eden, I don't know if it's uh, 
South Africa or some, I can't remember if somebody said where it is, but that doesn't matter. The thing is, is that this place was beautiful. And in this place, all God said is, hey, there's one tree here. I don't want you, you know, don't touch this one tree. But along comes, who? A snake. How many like snakes here? Just curious. Some of you like snakes. Okay. I don't like snakes. Even gardener snakes. Saw a gardener snake this past week. But, um, and the guy that's working with me, he was so scared of this little gardener snake. But uh, it was funny. But, here, but here's the situation. The snake comes and starts going and talking. I mean, I, I guess maybe then, you know, I mean, a snake talking would have surprised me. Um, but yet, I'm at, you know, the snake started talking. And uh, just like the devil likes to do in our minds, he likes to play in our minds. And says to Eve, basically, uh, this, this fruit, this, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and says, oh, God said this and that. And notice what he says to Eve. He says, has God said? And isn't that what's going on today? Has God said? You see, when we start to stop to follow what the scripture says, when we start to think that we know better than God, human sentiment, you know, our human sentiment, oh, God didn't really say that. Or, you know, I'm going to work away against this scripture and I can explain it to you in such a way that this is not what God really, really meant. No, no, no. The truth, the truth is what we build our lives on. We have to be secure in knowing that the truth, the Word of God, is something that is like that rock that never moves. It is like the, 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 the boat that never shakes. It's like God is there with us. And we base our lives on the truth because the truth sets us free. Right? The promises of God. And so we're going to, I need a volunteer this morning. Let's see. Come on up here. Yes, yes, Marshall. Come on up, Marshall. I'm going to get you to open up there. There's not a snake in there. It might be. I don't know. Whoa. Okay. Just make sure there's nothing in there, okay? All right. I want you to open that up. And we're going to talk about this because this is so important. Yes, take it out. Take it out. Look at it. What do you think it is? Right. It's a saddle. Okay, so this saddle that he's holding up right now, it's probably, um, it's been used for about 15 years, this saddle. Isn't that amazing? 15, okay, I want you to try to put it on. Okay, see if you can put it on, okay? Just try to put it on and see, see what, uh, how it works, okay? So this saddle that he's going to put, put, put on, okay, yeah, just, okay, let's see how he does this. Okay, so he's going to put this saddle on. We're going to watch you, okay? Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different way of putting it on. But, um, all right, so now, okay, maybe not. Okay, I'll give you a hint. You'd probably start with your feet first, your feet first. And, and what we're going to do here is we're going to show you this is something that is so important for what I do. And if you know what I do, it's harvest. Okay, so what you want to do is you want to, yeah, just put your feet right straight through there. That's it. Good. Good. You got it. Yes. Yeah, pull it straight up. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Nice and secure. Okay. So right over here we have the legs. Okay. You want to put those in, into these things right here. Okay. Now, the reason, 
Yeah, that's good. All right, you're going to remember this. You're going to go back. Ah, oh, I, I want you to remember more than just this. But uh, <laughs> you go home, boy, what did you remember? Well, I remembered how to put a saddle on. No, but, uh, but what, is it, what is really important about this um, and how this, how this relates to what we're saying is in this battle, I face challenges every day. Uh, different challenges. We all face challenges, but the challenges I face are when I have to climb trees that are anywhere from uh, anywhere from 40 feet up to 100 feet. This is the saddle that I used when I was in Cuba, um, and I want to make sure it's very secure. Yeah, good. Okay, so uh, you've got that. We don't want to give you a gotchi, gotchi pull or anything like that. So. That's good. Awesome. So, so this saddle, I have to trust this saddle because this saddle is what actually holds me when I'm in that tree. When I'm up 80 feet, 100 feet, if this is not holding me straight up, right? Okay, okay, we're pulling up a little. Now, now what we're doing here is this is very important too. This is a carabiner. So we got different carabiners, and carabiners basically are determined by their weight, okay? So you got to make sure that, like, you know, 3,000 pounds I'm only 250, but 3,000 pounds, they got to hold it because if you do fall three feet, if you fall off your rope, okay, just so you know, I put 1,200 pounds of shock on my rope and on everything on me, okay? So if I fall free fall, three feet, that's 1,200 pounds of shock for someone who's 250 pounds, okay? So I want to be sure that this is secure. Very good. He's got the carabiners ready to go. We're going to just use the one in the middle. Next thing I got to be sure about is the rope, okay? So I'm going to get you to hold the mic. Awesome. All right, so we got to know this. And this is so important. This is why when it comes to truth, we can be sure, because this has worked for me over 15 years. This has worked for me. All right. Can we got anybody taller that can hold them up a little higher up there? We want to see if, we want to see if this works now. Yeah, get on. Well, yeah, I guess so. Okay, so we're going to just going to go on the chair. They're, they're the ones that are telling me, coaching me here. So, all right. So, yeah, lean back. Go ahead, lean back. Yeah, lean back. Hold the rope and lean back with all your weight. Yeah, really. Seriously, go ahead. How much you weigh? Huh? 180? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. You feel secure? <laughs> Not with you holding it. No, okay, awesome. Thank him. Let's give him a hand. That was good. Okay, now he's got to try to get out of that. That's going to be the fun part, all right, trying to get out of that as well. But what I'm trying to say here is, is when we look at um, what, what uh, this saddle represents and this rope represents to me in my, in my work is that it is, represents security. It has to be something that I know, that I trust, and that's one thing that we can know, that when the enemy comes, when he comes like a flood, we know that we can stand on the truth, that we know that we can be secure. That is so important, so important. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, the presence of the battle doesn't mean the absence of God. Whoa, I'm going to say that one more time. C.S. Lewis said, the presence of the battle does not mean the absence of God. Daisy, I think you should write that one. Write that down. All right? So what it's saying, and it's very straightforward, is that sometimes when we're going through a hard time, it's because 
God is, is leading us through that to make us stronger as well, that we come through that stronger than we were before we went into it because we begin to realize, we can look back and say, okay, I know. It's just like when David, when King Saul said, David, listen, 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 David. I know you're going to go against Goliath. He's a huge dude, huge dude. And uh, like he's got, like, have you seen his armor? Seriously. I mean, look at, I'm going to tell you now, you're going to get ready to face this giant. And, And David was like, David's whole concept was on the fact that the presence of God would be with him. Right? When I was in Cuba, I knew that when I was going to climb this tree, 125 foot Ciba tree in Cuba, I knew the presence of God would be, be with me. I wanted to be sure of that. When you're climbing up a tree that, that big and that's dead and stuff like that. Because some trees, they call them widow makers. And you want to be sure because a climber gets up on that tree, he wants to be sure about that tree. And so I'm always making sure that the presence of God is with me. So King Saul says, David, David, try my sword out. Here's my sword, Dana. Take it. Good. All right, what about my helmet? I don't have a helmet, but, oh, well, it's a little big for you. That's kind of shaking around. But anyways, I want you to have this equipment. I want you to use it. And Dana kind of walks out like, because it's like big stuff. Saul's stuff, I mean, I, I tall, Saul was a tall guy, if you remember, from when they picked him, right? They picked him out. He wasn't, you know. And so he had this equipment. And David said, you know what, Saul, I haven't tried it. I haven't proven it. I haven't proven it. But I know that with my slingshot, That's what God's used to me. And there's a lesson for all of us. God is using you. He has things that he's put in your your life that you know and you can be secure in because you have seen him work in your life in such a way that you know that you can walk fiercely and you can face that storm. All the storms are going to come. We already have Christianity. Culture now is against Christianity, if if you haven't noticed And there is a time that we need to stand. We need to resist and stand. That's the time. Not to be passive, but to be active. Right? To say, I'm going to fight. Why? Because the presence of Goliath. That's why David could walk down into that valley. And and, I mean, sometimes I think that we begin to, to forget that prayer and worship are not religious formalities. They're essential. They are essential to my health, to my walk with the Lord. And when I neglect my prayer, when I neglect my word, then I become weak. I become susceptible to temptation, to the thoughts the evil one may place in my head. Right? And then I make assumptions. We call it a suicide. You probably didn't know that word, but a suicide. We call it a suicide. And we make assumptions, right, about things that are happening that really aren't happening but are a facade because the enemy places it in front of you and tries to get you to believe and think just like Eve and say, hey, has God said? When you know he has said, he has shown you. Second Corinthians. Let's go to Second Corinthians. This talks about our tools. It's so important to know our weapons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 10. 
This is what we have to realize is that we are not this, we are fighting. When we look at what's going on around us, as Ephesians chapter 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not about that person. It's about what's going on behind the scenes that a lot of times we don't realize that we need to be aware of, that we need to be active, that we need to be awake. We don't want to be caught sleeping at the wheel. What do they say? Sleepy drivers rest in pieces. It's funny, you know, you're driving and you're on the truck, you know, and they're all in, you see so many, you know, that little sleepy drivers rest in pieces. Oh, yeah, yeah, stay awake, stay awake. And God is telling us to stay awake because he's about to do something. How many believe? I just want to, I want to just kind of do a consensus here. I'm going to do this, I'm going to say it, and I want you not even to think. Three seconds, first hand, hand goes up, okay? So here it is. How many believe we're in the days of Noah? Hands up. How many believe we are in the days of Noah? Hands up. Okay, okay. All right. And what does it say? As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. You know he's coming. And it's amazing because he says we can tell the weather. And we're really good. We're pretty accurate at telling the weather. And you can watch it. But actually what we look, we, we're not good at is, is looking at the signs of the times. Realizing. And uh, the word of God talks about Issachar. They knew the tough signs of the times. How to reach out. What, what kind of things to do. They, they had a, a wisdom from above. And that's what we need when we are being attacked, when we are facing whatever it is we're facing, the challenges, we can be secure. We can be secure because we've tried. We know he's proven himself faithful. TP, tried, proven. You do that. We had a guy in, in, in college, he would actually put T beside that verse. Try. I'm going to try this verse out. And then if that verse happened out in his life, he put P, proven. I've proven this. You see, I've had a lot of life experience. I haven't been around the block once, more than once. I've been around the block, and some of you have been around the block. But we know, we know he is faithful. We know his presence will not abandon us in our moment of need. He is there. He is there. And so when we think about God, we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. What are some of the weapons? Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty. Come on, say that to the person beside you. These weapons are mighty. Okay, then say, are you using them? Are you using your weapons? David knew, David knew, because he had proven. He had taken out... What did he take? I mean, I can't even imagine that. Uh, church, I can't even imagine that. Think about that, right? I mean, I mean, I'd be dropping my slingshot and running for the tree if I saw a bear, okay? Just saying. But David went straight forward to go at this, like, bear, right? Okay, if it was a lion, seriously, I'd be, like, looking for the bus. Um, but, um, like, you think about this. He had to have such an awareness of the presence of God in his life. It wasn't about feelings. It wasn't about what the circumstances were. But he had to have such 
an awareness to go up against that lion and bear. Goliath was, was down the road, but before Goliath. So let me ask you this. What is the bear in your life that you're facing? What is the lion? What is the enemy saying to you that you need to say it enough? And you need to combat that with truth because it's a lie. He's a father of lies, we said. So what are the weapons you're using? We refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. Hello? Right? God created male and female. That's what the Word of God. Being in readiness to punish every disobedience when your own submission and obedience are fully secured and complete. 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 talks about that submission. It talks about surrender. It says, what does it say in 1 Peter 5, 8? It says, resist. Resist. Why resist? Because the devil is like a, a kitten. And he is just coming at you like a kitten. No, not like a kitten. How about a bear? No, a roaring lion. Notice it's roaring. Have you ever, has anybody ever heard a lion roar, like, at the zoo? That's, I mean, that's ferocious. You've been at the zoo, and you've heard that lion. And so he's like that. He's like a roaring lion. And what does he do? He's walking around. Oh, there's one. I'm going to destroy you. All right? But you come against that. Right? Because you know who you are in Christ. You know who God is. You're aware of his presence. You're secure. Ah, got to move on to the next person. Let's see who else I can attack. Man, a life. That guy's tough. It's got to be God. God's with him. All right, I'm looking for somebody. Who can I? Let's see. And then you hear the roar of the lion. I can't even do that. It wasn't even justice. All right. But, but, uh, uh, He's going around. And 1 Peter 5 says, we need to resist. Resist. I heard about a, a movement in California called Mass Resistance. And when everybody was ready to lay their cards on the table and thought, there's just no way, this whole thing about um, counseling those who are confused, gender confused, you can't use Bible verses, you can't do this in California, state of California, you're not allowed to give them any kind of therapy, they thought they had this hands down. Nobody. But this guy got on the phone. He got figuring out who was who. He strategized. He strategized. God started laying on his heart who he needed to contact with. And they started a group called Mass Resistance. And do you know because of that group, it failed. It never went ahead. That bill stopped. He even withdrew that bill in California. Come on. That's right. Praise God. Because, see, we got to realize, and that's another message for another time, that we can walk in authority. For the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. And it's on me. It's on me, right? For the Spirit of the Lord is on me. That's right. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. That's right. And uh, we can walk and we can talk with authority because we know who He is and we are aware of what He can do. That's why we can, I can go, we can go to other countries. 
We can go to the nations. We can go across the street because we're walking with the authority. We know the presence of God is with us, right? Right? Come on, are you with me this morning? Amen? Come on. This is, this is, this is so good, so good, so good. Oh, so good. We're going we're gonna to move to somebody else. We're going to look at someone else here in just a second. We're going to look at this. And you know, it's a good reminder every day to be reminder to say this. And it's actually a practice that I'm not sure the name of this practice, but I will do this. And I'm just going to share this with you. What I do is I breathe in and say, you are here. And then I breathe out, I am with you. To recognize the presence of God within me. And then the second thing I'll do is I'll start to look at things where I can be thankful for. Then the third thing is I look at my emotions and I look at what my emotions are saying to me and what they're doing. So there's a thing that I do. And if you want that, I can give that to you. I'll give you the, there's just five things that I, you know, no matter whether I'm driving in my truck or where I am, you can do this. You can be aware so that you're not at the mercy and become a victim of what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to lead you astray. He wants to deceive you. And God's got this amazing purpose for us, right? Amazing. Well, let's look at Daniel. We got to look at Daniel. Come on. We got to look at Daniel. So turn to Daniel chapter 6. Because Daniel is kind of, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar. This is Babylonian times. And Babylonian times were not the best of times, okay? Babylonian times. If you know anything about Babylon, uh, study the history of Babylon, it was very decadent. It was very much uh, a place where, you know, Daniel and you know Meshach, uh, Meshach, oh man, why is I, make the bed, shake the bed, and in the bed we go. There we go. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? And they were in this, in this hostile, hostile environment. And so was Daniel. And, uh, but he had rapport because there was a spirit of excellence in him. The king recognized in him what God was doing. He saw in him. And the guys got jealous, the other guys. And they started to think to themselves, it's in six, chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to read that in a second. We're just going to give you some history here. And so here is a situation where Daniel is finding himself um, in this situation where these guys come up with a great idea of how to, to get... Daniel, like they were just jealous. They said, let's, let's see if we can uh, fix it for him. And they get to go to the King Nebuchadnezzar and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we're gonna, we, want, we want people to bow down to you. And they knew that this is where Daniel, they could hit him with where he was because they knew he prayed every day. He didn't, you know, three times a day he prayed. And I'm just saying, you know, and I'm being honest with you, my prayer life, I want it to be better. It's not there. But I want it to be way better than what it is because I know, I know when I'm praying, there's things that start to happen. And, and my wife and I have made a habit of when we're traveling, we'll start praying. We'll start, you know, praying for people, praying for this church, praying for some of you here that you'll begin to experience God in a whole new level, that you'll begin to start to see things, that you'll begin to get a vision for what God can do in your life and in this church, and in this community, and in this country, and in this nation, because I'm not about to give up on this country. 
Come on, we're Canadians. We don't want to give up on this country. We want to believe that there's a breakthrough coming, that revival is coming. Come on. We got to get excited. We got to say, God, we're not about to let it. We're not about to become passive. We want to become active. And it starts with prayer. Because you don't want to do it in your own flesh. You want to do it in prayer. When was the last time you got on your knees and said, God, save our country? God, open up the gateway, expose the corruption. That's what I love about this whole thing um, with the, even the Church 2 movement, is there's exposure going on. Exposure. It's exposing the, the corruption. Because God sees everything. He sees all our hearts, right? So Daniel's here, and all of a sudden he finds out, listen, your neck is, my neck is going to be on the line. Because if I keep doing this prayer, and, and the amazing thing is he doesn't shut the window. You can see him. Hey, look. Look at, there he is. You can see him praying. You can see him right? You could see him through the window. I remember that when we were in India, and we were worshiping, and uh, one of the guys said, we need to shut the door, or we need to shut the window. I said, no, no, we're worshiping God. Let's worship. Let's just let it go out into the streets, and, and the lady, she was praying for such a friend that she would have a friend in India. That was a prayer request, and I remember this, and the worship went out into the street, and someone heard the worship, came up to the, to the place where we were staying, and unbeknown to that, that person's wife became the best friend of that person who was just praying. Isn't that amazing? God used that worship to just flow out of there, right? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. We move forward on our knees. We move forward on our knees. This is how I fight my battles. I'm secure. I'm secure. So, Daniel, what are you going to do? The bad news, what's, what's going to happen? You're going to get thrown into a lion's den if you continue on with, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Daniel, Daniel, what are you doing? Seriously, shut the windows. Let's just have a private meeting here. This is, no, keep that window open. Keep it open. This is how I fight my battles. And so, Daniel 6.10. What does Daniel do? What does he do? Hmm? Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows were closed. No, that's not the right Bible. Being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, <laughs> Daniel, you are aware. You, you, you are aware of his presence. You know him. You must, because how in the world would you be able to, you kept your windows open in your chamber towards Jerusalem after you heard the bad news that you would be thrown in the lion's den if you continued in your worship to God. He got down 
upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he'd done previously. Wow. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. You see Daniel? He knew that it was time to take a stand. What about you this morning? What about us, right? We stand on our knees. We move forward on our knees. And so Daniel, and the king, the king was so beside himself. I, I mean, I love the relationship he had with King Nebuchadnezzar. Because king, he was so beside himself that he was like, what am I going to do? How can I save Daniel? In his own way, he was trying to save him from what was about to happen. The king of Babylon was trying to say, what am I going to do? How am I going to save him? He couldn't even sleep that night. But he did say this, I hope, I pray that your God will save you, that something will happen. And we know the rest of the story, right? Because Daniel was thrown into lion's den. And then that king got up early next morning, and there he is, unharmed, untouched. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This morning, you may look at yourself and you say, you know what? I've compromised. I've listened to the enemy. And God wants to say to you this morning, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's time to turn around. Some of you here have read it, but you've maybe never ever heard the voice of God say, I forgive you. And this morning, you might be that person that says, you know what, I wasn't standing, but I needed to stand. And God's saying to you, I forgive you. I choose to forgive you. What a way, what a way, what a, the most beautiful words you could ever, ever hear is when you mess up and you know you should have done this, and you didn't do that. And then you hear Jesus saying, I forgive you. Remember how they got upset with him? There was this guy that needed to be healed, right? In, in the Gospels, he needed to be healed. They brought him to Jesus, and he needed And what did he say? <laughs> he didn't even say. He didn't even go and say. I mean, he needed, obviously, healing. But there was something else there going on. Right? Now, not all sickness is a result of sin, but sometimes it is. And he looked at him and he said to him, I forgive you. And right away, the religious spirit started going, Who do, Who's that? Right? Who does he think religious spirits are doing? The, whoa, stop right now. Right? Oh, wow. Right? And Jesus says, I forgive you. I forgive you. This morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. This is your opportunity. This is not about shame. This is not about guilt. This is about you and Jesus realizing how much he loves us.
I love that song that um, John Mark McMillan wrote. We haven't sung it a lot, but oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And if you just sing that song, it's just something that starts to come over you. The Spirit of God just starts to melt your heart when you sing that. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. Right? And then there's that line about uh, afflictions and about his glory. It's, the lyrics are so amazing on that song. But oh, how he loves you. This morning, God wants to give you a fresh start. If you're, if you're here this morning and you've been battling, and the other aspect is if you've been battling, and you just say, man, I just want some brother or sister to stand with me this morning. Because I'm in a hard place right now. I'm in a dry place right now. This is our opportunity. That's what the church is all about. Hello? It's to stand together. And that's what, I, again, I draw back to the fact that that phone call was such a blessing just to know. Here's a brother that says, I love you. Let's get together. Um, that was amazing. And you know, I kept it. I kept it on my message. Because it's that. You have no idea what God want, wants to say to someone that's next to you or here in this church. And you have that opportunity to do that. Because Holy Spirit wants to work through you. And that person may need to hear that. Because maybe they're hearing it, but they're not really, it's not registering. But you come alongside and through the Spirit of God, boom, shaboom. Right? And they go, whoa. And it's like all of a sudden, they come alive again. That's what we do. That's what the Spirit of God does. He comes, makes us come alive. Every day makes us come alive. 